0: Oh, the monkey wrapped his tail out of the from Sherlock Holmes. You mean they give me a microphone tonight, it works? Oh, my God. <laughs> they can hear me, huh? For those of you who would like the lyrics to our theme song, we'd be glad to send them to you in plain mimeographical form. Of course, we must point out that they're available only to qualified music students who are over 21 years of age. We'll send them to you in a brown sea wrapper, and they're really kind of good. It's finally happened. I can see where you can buy a peace watch. It's kind of nice. Yeah, uh, it says, looking at this ad, it says even Mickey Mouse and Spiro Agnew would agree that it's about time somebody thought about creating a meaningful watch featuring the international peace symbol. We did it, and we're glad. Everybody, thence, the special dial indicating the time in major cities throughout the world needs the constant reminder that peace should be the top priority in all of our activities. The clearly visible orange peace symbol tells everyone around you, all your friends and neighbors, that you are a peaceful person. It says, peace, loud and clear. (laughs) Hooray, 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 hooray for peace, peace, peace. Hooray, hooray for peace. Hooray, 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 one day they'll have peace. Peace, cereals, peace, soft drinks and all. Hooray for the new old car called Peacey PC Peace. Hooray 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 Hooray. hooray. For good old peace, good old calm and serenity, hooray, hooray, for comma super, rabbit, hooray, 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 for peace, Rasmus has, hooray, 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 oh, how I love peace, oh, there ain't nothing like peace, I've given up sex, all I love today is peace, P E A C E E E E, hooray, 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 hooray for peace, yes, sir, hooray for good old, wonderful, lovely peace. Oh, I wanna take full Oh, how I love full Black Give me George McGovern every time. Hooray, hooray, hooray for peace! Yeah. yeah. Hooray, hooray for peace, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, baby, I love you. Oh, I love calm. I love calm and serenities. And the marching peoples of the world. Hooray, hooray, hooray for peace! Hooray, let's sing it all together. Yeah, yeah. Buy a peace watch, buy a new peace cereal, get yourself a brand new peace automobile, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drive a new peace motorcycle, yeah. Get yourself a pair of peace shoes, the new peace jockey shorts with a symbol on the behind. will make everybody know that you as a peaceful living creature, you love life. Hello, 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 hello peace, yeah, yeah, yeah. The red for peace all the way piece wallpaper, eight dollars is the yard. You can buy yourself a new peace chair with the symbols all over the bottom of it. Yeah. Hooray for the new, hooray for the new piece, piece, piece. The new piece that comes by the yard. Buttons, t-shirts, too. Suits and watches now. The new piece Colossians. <laughs> a new piece raincoat. It will guard you from fallout and scratch and everybody will know that you as a peace loving man, just put all your dough there on the peace symbol. Yeah. Ba, 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 ba. Peace. Time, but that's, that's a time that's long gone When peace was not available on the marketplace. Yeah. yeah Come on, boys, sing, it. sing it. it That was nice, wasn't huh? <laughs> it? Indeed By yourself Since, uh How'd you see a commercial one there? Are you an individual committed to peace in this world? If so, eat peace all brand breakfast cereal. The cereal that shows you care. When you're seen at the breakfast table spooning delicious pieces all around, those around you will know that you are a person totally dedicated to the salvation of mankind. Made find A, B1, G, and is fortified and homogenized. Yes, pieces. The cereal for peace. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, where will it ever end? <clears throat> you don't mind, did you like that? Mm-hmm. I think That's going to get me some friends, isn't it? <laughs> the literal-minded will begin to believe that Shepherd is not for peace. Now, what I ain't for are peace singles, peace symbols on your jockey shorts. Oh, listen. No, I'm just looking through the. It's been a hectic week, man. I'll tell you. It really has. He's been hitting the fan every five minutes. <sighs> I'm rested, see. Of course, uh, uh, you don't mind if I rest by doing a commercial. I, I you know, it's my form of... I, I sit around home, you know, kids collect commercials. And uh, they do, you know, we all know this. And uh, they sit around, they dig collecting commercials. Well, as a as a uh, performer, see, I don't think of it, collecting commercials. At home, when I'm relaxing, I sit around and... You know, just to relax my mind. I do commercials, which is quite different from uh, collecting commercials. Oh yeah, I'll get up and, you know, I'll play a guy in a right guard spot. You know, I'll open up the medicine cabinet. I'll say hi, fella, and uh, nobody ever looks out though. From my medicine cabinet, a couple old tubes of something fall out once in a while. It was left over from the last guy that lived there, but I'm afraid to move them. Hey, we have a note here. It says, uh, "Shepard, your proposition as to what would happen if all the people in China jumped up." and landed at the same instant is very interesting. You know, you heard my proposition. You know, I've always felt that the people have a lot more power than they think. All they got to do is get together. And that if everybody in Manhattan, at one signal, jumped up at one... T- you know, the, let's say exactly at 3 p.m., and they all jumped up in the air at the same time and landed at the same time, obviously they would land at the same time. Man... We could shake this big rock loose from its foundations and we'd float right down to Miami. It would be kind of great, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm getting tired of this climate anyway. But uh, uh, he goes on to say, he says, How about this one, Shepard? Supposing every John in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut were flushed on a signal at the same instant. Well... He says, "Could be that that's what we're having right now. That's possibly true. <laughs> but uh, it would uh, that that would be kind of you know John Flush moment we could call it because it got the big you know uh, it could cause a fantastic moment. As a matter of fact, you know uh, this is not so funny. Uh, it, well, it is funny, but it's not so. Uh, let's put it this way: it's not so impractical. The idea of what would happen in New York City if." Uh, or any big city, if you decided that everybody flushed the John simultaneously, you know. And now, all right, on the count of three, one, now, on the count of three, flush, okay? On the count of three. One, three, one, two, three, flush. <laughs> My God, no telling what would happen. Oh, that could be exciting, can you imagine? That the, the Croton reservoir just could <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Just like that, it's like pulling the big plug. But uh, you know, this this is a, is a great fear that all the electric companies have. You see, they base everything they do, uh, they have to, you know, on what they call uh, user probability. So they uh, they uh, they decide well in advance, and the equipment is based on that. They know that a certain number of people just ain't going to be watching television. Uh, a certain number of people, and this is a, you know, it's all done by sliders and that certain number of people are just asleep. A uh, certain number of people are just fooling around. certain number of people ain't paid their bill, and so forth down the line. But what would happen if it all got together? This is a great fear among guys in the upper echelons. Yeah, if, if these tables break down, and in spite of the fact that, the, that you know, it shouldn't be, uh, everybody in, say, New York City simultaneously turned on all their appliances at once. Whew. Oh... I'll tell you, we would blow fuses as far away as Tasmania. We really would you know uh, i I see the day in in the next uh, in the next twenty five to to fifty years when because of population explosions everywhere as they're occurring, and because of technology becoming more a part of everybody's lives. you know, like take take for example, in many places in India today within the last couple of years, the first time they even had electricity in these towns. And uh, it's beginning to spread everywhere. See? And it's not an American influence. It's just the influence of the 20th century, friend. Uh, that by, say, 1990, uh, there's going to be unbelievable problems with power and stuff. See? And I can see the day when, when one guy in Euclid, Ohio, turning on a toaster, blows all the fuses in Manchester, England. I mean, it's going to have to be an ultimate grid, you know, where they where they where they feed power all over the world, you know, for guys that are running out, and other guys, you know, and and uh, you never know when you might be the guy, you know, you might be the guy that busted it. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I, how many times have have you ever thought of yourself as a statistic? Well, uh, no, you you cross Sixth Avenue. See, here's the light. The light changes. And uh, you're standing there talking to your friend, Hawkins. Oh, says, oh, Jesse, what are you talking about? A oh, bunch of pups. You're going away. to See, and then the light changes back again. Now it's red. You missed the crossing, see? So suddenly you realize that you've missed the light. You run across the street, and you make it to the other side safely. Right? All right. You know that there is a guy somewhere, someplace, that is compiling statistics of the number of people who run across New York streets against the light on any given hour? And you have just set the new world's record? <laughs> you know? I'm serious. No matter what you do, there's some dill doc someplace that is keeping a file on it. The number of toothpicks sold on Wednesdays uh, in, in uh, major cities. They're not interested in Thursday or Friday. It's Wednesday. And it's Wednesday's important day because this is the day upon which the toothpick industry bases its predicted toothpick usages for the next 250 years. Right? You know, they're, they're, I'll tell you, speaking of, uh, Radio stations live by this stuff. And die by it. And nobody knows who gives them the figures. They just come in out of the transom with some official outfit called uh, uh, Unimax Ultra Aquaton Qualitative Analysis Corporation. You get your you and your friend Aki together and you form that corporation, man, and they're going to listen to you. It has been a wild week for the last week, we've been going around having an unbelievable time at these book signings. Really fantastic. Uh, At Morristown, we had one uh, a couple of days ago that was great. Uh, Morristown, let's see, we went to uh, Neptune City, New Jersey. Uh, (laughs) uh, We also were in uh, Bedminster. Oh, is that elegant country. Speaking of of doing everything, you know, setting a new record uh, every time you do something, uh, this this we're, we're, this is the age of, of i'm going to tell you man statistics i mean they, they study everything you know and uh, in fact there's an entire field something called that you know statistics and did uh, you now now statistics can be very sneaky and uh, not only very sneaky but they can also be deadly <laughs> uh, because most statistics are taken on what they call a random sampling now, what is a random sampling? Well, that means that if you go to the to the Atlantic Ocean, say you go out to, to uh, let's say you go out to uh, Jones Beach, right? That's the Atlantic Ocean, right? You go out to Jones Beach and you take a little teacup, say, maybe a teaspoon. And uh, you, you take a teaspoon and you dip it into the water. And then you come back and you put it under the microscope and you discover that there are no sharks in your teaspoon at which point you then issue that according to a random sampling taken by a very authoritative source, there are no sharks in the Atlantic Ocean. Now, that's true. I'm not being funny. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this is absolutely the truth. This is the problem with the random sampling technique. Now, on the other hand, you could you could go to, say, uh, you could go to, say, a place, uh, uh, let's say, off the coast of Bimini somewhere, see, and uh, this is down in the Keys, right? And you take a net, and you throw it out, and you pull it back in, and you catch 42 sharks. You then issue a statement that there are roughly 42 sharks per yard and a half square feet in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> now, that's, that's, uh, that's the problem with this. Now, now throughout the history of, of uh, man's struggling in the 20th century, he's fallen prey to those statistics. You know who one of the first big booboos who laid the first gigantic booboo of them all? On the basis of of, uh, random samplings, would you guess? One of the greatest fiascos of all history was based on misreading a random sampling of a poll. You're curious which one it was? Well, uh, there was a very famous... uh, It's written about in many many areas. There was a very famous meeting that Adolf Hitler had with groups of his staff... You know, guys like the head of the Army and the Navy and the head of the State Department in Hitler's Germany and so forth. And they had just received received a worldwide poll which uh, various German ambassadors had conducted in various nations like America, like uh, England, uh, like uh, places like uh, Australia. And they had come up with the conclusion that people of these countries not only would not fight against uh, Germany if Germany moved into places like Poland and so forth, but they would come in on their side. Did you know that? <laughs> All right. So it was on the basis of this fantastic poll that he says well, we will go into Germany, we will go into Poland tonight. And the planes started, and the ships rolled, and the whole business started. And of course, it wasn't until a couple of moments later that he realized the poll was wrong. But at that point, it was too late. It was like pregnancy; it was there. Now, uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, uh, why I bring this up, I don't know, but 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 uh, we're 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 constantly being subjected to these polls, and people really believe in them. You know, they really they really uh, they believe in these things, and 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 random. You know, speaking of random, have you ever heard of the random factor? You know what is it? The random factor. This is a this is a, an absolute factor in all high level mathematical conclusions. Now, the random factor. means stuff that just happens, (laughs) that has no explanation. Just, it's random, you know, just happens. Well, that's also an escape valve for when the whole thing falls down. See, so when the the pole blows up, well, of course, we took into account the random factor, which, uh, of course, the random factor means that they're all wet. But uh, <laughs> the the uh, the random factor. Now, now we as as people, you know, Americans are strange people by world standards, really, you know. And and uh, what are what among, among other things that we're, were strange to other people, is that we do not give any credence. None of us. Are you ready to that strange shifting? Inexplicable, and maybe that's what bothers us because Americans generally think that they can explain everything, that everything can be explained ultimately by scientific reasoning. We are a nation that believes in science the way other nations believe in religion. We really do. <laughs> Anybody that comes trotting on a show with, quote, scientific credentials, he can tell Johnny Carson anything, and he'll buy it, and his audience will buy it even more. And uh, yeah, yeah, you remember all these scientists were writing all the books about UFO a couple of oh man, they were all over the place. Where they you know, where are they? I <laughs> mean they kind of disappeared. But uh nevertheless, uh yeah, you remember the scientist that came on before we went to the moon and said the moon was covered with a with a, an eighteen foot layer of dust and that whatever landed on the moon would immediately sink. You remember that? This guy was all over the place and he was talking about this and uh and he wrote a book on it, I think, and he was also, he was a very famous scientist. As a matter of fact, I think he was at Harvard or someplace like that. And and he's disappeared. Nobody nobody rushed over. and said, well, sir, what happened with that? See? He said, well, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's on the other side of the moon, but it's, it's a true. We have not yet gone over there. they <laughs> said, I have been misunderstood but what I have said. Uh, the, the interpretation put on my work was, of course, erroneous from the beginnings. I said it is conceivably possible that there is an eighteen-foot thing. Now you find way in the back there. I also mentioned it is possible also that the the, the Earth, the, the Earth and the Moon have the same kind of crust. However, uh, you, oh, you know, nobody. <laughs> so so nobody's ever wrong. He's always misinterpreted. This is, of course, a, a, a master uh, thing that politicians all know very well. Nobody ever says anything wrong. He's always. Uh, Misquoted, And, uh, yeah, you can go, And, uh, later, uh, when it says that uh, Charlie Brown called Fred Ockweiler a bum, and when he's hauled up, uh, to talk to Gabe Pressman about it, he says, well, I, I was, I was mis, misquoted. Uh, mis- I, I, didn't say he was, I, I didn't say that, uh, 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 Charlie Okweiler was a bum. All I hollered was, uh, he's a bum! And, uh, I could have been anybody, actually. Uh, yeah, it goes on and on. So, uh, nevertheless, uh, the, uh, the idea of uh, you know Hitler making a fantastic boo-boo because of, a, of, a, of an error in polls. And uh, another thing, too, be careful about believing the evidence of your own eyes. Now, many great mistakes have been made in history by that. Because people act differently when they're in front of you than when they're not there. Uh, they do. <laughs> it's you do. I mean, I do. Everybody has a tendency to do that, you know. So... Uh, so uh, this has happened to many a politician so he stood on the uh, on many a, many a balcony and everybody's hollered you know whatever it is they're hollering at the very time you know the uh, people love to holler slogans now that doesn't mean they believe in the slogan it's just fun to holler it's occurred to you that, that hollering is a great uh, is 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 a great release just hollering you know uh, and I, and I think this is one of the things that sports give us Here's a place you can legally holler it's one of the very few places that you can holler your head out, and by the way, holler murderous things without anybody, you know, coming out and throwing the net over you. Uh, it's true; it's, it's very definitely true. And everybody secretly likes to holler. It's a great, great feeling just to yell, because after all, we have we are blessed with one of the. Do you know that man among all the animals is rated well up in the in the top area, well up in the top area of of all the animals in the world with vocal powers. Man is a loud creature. <laughs> he really is. And a guy hollering can be heard for miles. A really good hollerer. Have you ever heard a good hollerer? You know they have hollering contests in various parts of the country. That's not hog calling contests, it's a hollering contest. So the, the, uh, the judges are stationed, let's say, four and a half miles away and each guy is given a thing to holler, a special thing that is only his to holler, you see. And and so that when a guy four and a half miles away, they, and the judges, by the way, do not know what they're supposed to holler. So if the judge is standing there real quiet, seeing he's he's out in this field, he's four and a half miles away from the hollering platform, and he hears somebody holler, sweet, sweet potatoes! potatoes, he writes down sweet potatoes, you know. And that means <laughs> hollerer number four has fi- he's heard hollerer number four, and, and uh, this is a this is a contest that is uh, is highly fought out, uh, and guys go into training for for weeks uh, yeah, before the the uh, big hollering contest, and when they are winners, these guys are local celebrities. In fact, uh, in some cases, statewide celebrities. The number one hollerer in the state. Now, why not? We think it's funny, but you know, almost all athletic contests are based on a, some kind of a physical attribute. It's a fact. So uh, you take you take guys running a hundred yard dash. What are they testing? Well, they're testing who can run the fastest. Well, what's uh, any less? Uh, what's more? Why is, is is hollering silly when running isn't? I mean, it's it's a physical attribute, after all. Some guys can holler better than other guys. Why not award those guys for that? Now, uh, <laughs> these physical attributes, almost every sport. Think of other sports, right? uh, you, you uh, There's a sport of, uh, let's say, tennis, for example. What is tennis primarily a test of? Well, I'd say basically coordination. A guy with a guy can be faster than grease lightning. but uh, but be a lousy tennis player. Why? No coordination. You know, he he just can't flip that ball back where he wants it. He can get there, but he can't flip it back. So coordination really is what tennis is about. What's baseball? Well, baseball is about a lot of things. Uh, And least of all, strength. Uh, In other words, a a guy hitting a ball solidly, a fastball, doesn't have to have a lot of strength behind it. It's, again, coordination. It's It's the coordination of that movement of the bat and that, fastball coming in there, man, he's going to put that thing 450 yards out or 450 feet. Now that's coordination again. Now on the other hand, you take a pitcher, pitching uh, that sometimes is uh, is a test of strength or as, how many of you get bugged every time Andy Granatelli comes on those commercials? Double strength <laughs> Did you, you keep hearing that he keeps saying, double strength STP, large pe- numbers of people say strength Instead of strength, strength, uh, it's S-T-R-E-N-T-H, strength. Uh, in certain areas, of course, it's always the Calvary that goes galloping in to save the people. Uh, at the last instant, you know, the Seventh Calvary. Uh, yeah, it's the Seventh Calvary come in there. And uh, <laughs> How many of you out there suffer from arthritis? Arthritis, yeah. Oh, I know a lot of people have arthritis trouble. Another thing, too... Uh, uh, I grew up with this. There's thousands of people. I'm sure many of them listen to me right now. Well, I tell you, the trouble with Charles is he's had so much problems. That, you see, he he has barnacle trouble. Well, uh, yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> in fact, it's getting to the point now where most, most doctors, really good uh, doctors, particularly GPs, they go along with it. In fact, I had a doctor the other day talk about a lot of his patients come in and they have bronchial problems. Well, uh, you know, you can't fight it. It's just it's too big. <laughs> it's too big. Uh, also, how many how many people uh, suffer from what is euphemistically known as uh, these are folk diseases? See, this is a thing called folk diseases. There's a genuine disease capitalized. A genuine disease called back trouble. It's back trouble. Yeah. There's another disease called weak knee. Or weak ankle. That's another one. A lot of people have a weak ankle. Uh, the, the, the nerves. That's a, that's a total folk disease. A guy has uh, trouble with his nerves. What the, you know, what But So, uh, yeah the, the random sampling of the average guy is going to lead you to get nothing but random samplings. <laughs> and, uh, yes. And, and I, and I noticed, uh, of course, so one of the things that, uh, that you got to face in this time, in this life, is that, uh, is that uh, the, no matter where you go uh you're going you're going to find the uh, the guy that goes against whatever the poll is like like they put on these new cars on the subway you right did you hear about the new cars yeah they put new cars on the trains on here you know you know the interurban trains and stuff and uh, so they were asking him uh, what what about the train what about the new cars well here they put you know 40 million dollar car on there that's dumb to ask a new yorker what he thinks of anything he's going to say it's rotten I mean, it's <laughs> it's dumb to ask of really. So sure enough, the first thing the reporter says, "And sir, what do you think of the new cars?" And there's a pause. Ah, oh, What do you mean? They look like all the rest of them are rotten. And he says, "Yes." The New Yorker once again speaks his mind on another important issue of the day. So it's it's part of the it's part of the. Uh, I I say it has to be part of the urban complex, and it's also part. Of that undiscovered, unsung athletic prowess that we all secretly have, and we like to exercise, hollering. That uh, that man man hollers best when he hollers out of anger. In fact, uh, uh, you can't uh, to, to imagine yourself hollering words of love over four counties. Never work. Never work. Uh, almost all athletics are fought out of one form of anger or another. Now, you never hear coaches talk much about it. They talk about character and all. Well, all right, it does build character. Nothing builds character better than defeat. Now, that's true. I mean, uh, you, when you're looking at a guy, a quarterback, who has just had an 0 7 season, you look deep into his eyes. And there's a man who has known the nether side of existence, especially if he's got a bad offensive line, and they keep pouring in on him. Uh, (laughs) And the plays looked so good on the blackboard. I mean, all them little crosses and the little circles and those X's, everything worked so great. Little arrows went up there, you know. Well, the arrow never got past. (laughs) It's terrible out there you. It's terrible. Now, any of you have ever played any really organized football? You know, we'd sit there. I'll never forget the time. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I might as well tell you about one of the sad days like that. You don't hear this side of sports. You, have you ever wondered why, why Jim Bowden is, uh, is always sitting there making snide remarks about sport? Well, he has known the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the unbelievable disappointment of trying to learn a knuckleball and seeing ultimately that nothing travels faster and further than a well-hit unsuccessful knuckleball i mean <laughs> oh all batters love that i mean there's nothing that a batter likes you know there's certain things among in, in various sports that are almost like candy in fact did you know that did you know that there's a certain type of uh, hit ball that's called a candy hop you heard that expression a candy hop well what is a candy hop well, uh, these uh, I wish I wish Phil Resuda would talk a little more about uh, the people you know when he's uh, about what baseball is really like. He always approaches it from a fan, but but a candy hop is when you're playing the infield and somebody hits this this nice medium hard medium soft uh, dropping line drive and it bounces about six feet ahead of you, just right in front of you, and bounces up roughly waist high. That's such a nice one. You know, it's a candy hop. You are on you just because 'cause you can, you're already set for the throw, see, and that's that's called a candy hop. Well, the other day I saw a third baseman do a terrible thing. See, uh, and sometimes when you when you see a candy hop coming at you, it's like anything else in your life. When you when you see this great thing happening to you that you've been waiting for all month, that's the thing you're gonna boot. Because Of anticipation, I I was watching I was watching the the national tennis finals on TV the other day. See, and this this guy comes running up, Stan Smith. You know, somebody hit this ball off the off the off the end of his rack. It was a you know it was a bad little lob that went up in the air. See, and Smith rushes up. You could just see, oh wow, here I get him. You know, he was going to spike. You know, he was going to slam this one back. You know, to the back line. He was going to just take this, cut this guy's legs right off him under him. You know, he comes running up, wham, well, he hits it. And it goes right into the net. He hit it right down. And turned around, and see. Now it wasn't that he had made an error that bugged him, it was that he'd been waiting for a lob like this, probably for through three sets. And what did he do? Oh, he booted it, yeah. Well, the other day I see I see a third baseman, it was a terrible move. It actually was Danny Cater, see, and he's a good third base he's a really a good solid third baseman and And, man, I'll tell you, he'd been having a bad... About two or three days, see, I've been watching him. They've been hitting shots, you know, that skip three and a half inches inside the third baseline. He's twisting hard ground balls that twist away. You know, they go whistling down the line, and he dives. Can't get a glove on it. So the next one up, the guy hits one one of these uh, one of these high chopping hoppers that go in between the third baseman and the shortstop and hit a pebble and go 30 feet up and go out in the left field. <sighs> you can see. Well, he's been making great plays. He caught a foul ball. I want to tell you, he left his feet and caught a foul ball that whistled through the coach, coaching box about three feet off the ground. He caught it going away. See. Well, finally, in the eighth inning, some right-handed hitter comes up. And he swings at a, at a at a at a at a slider, see, and he just caught it right. And it just went down to third base. It was the kinda kind of thing I could see Cater had been looking for. It just just beautiful, see. And already you can hear Phil Rizzuto, uh, he's closing the scorebook on that inning. He's well uh, and you see Cater get he's set for the throw already. The ball bounces up. Perfect bounce. Perfect bounce. <laughs> it goes into his glove. And it was a moment of instant, just like an instant, and you had a sense, "Uh-oh, something's happening." It goes into his glove, and it goes up in the air again. You saw it's gone. See, even the even the runner was 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 astounded. You know, it was one of those hits. So he tried to make the throw, and he finally got a got the handle on the ball. He threw it back at first base into the upper deck. Two runs scored. <sighs> there are errors, but then there are these terrible moments in life. You know that. So, so <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the moment that you look forward to, you know, the, the instant. Well, now, to take it on another side, there are moments in all, in all of sports that the player looks forward to the way you look forward to in your office. Say hey, if you work in an office and there's this, this easy thing happens one day. If, let's say you're a teller in the bank and everybody hands you nothing but checks that are even numbers. Like, all the checks today are for $100. <laughs> you don't have to make any change. And everyone's depositing them, you know? Just put them in. $100, you stamp it. You know, it's a great day. It's what you're looking forward to. They're not the checks that come in, you know, for, for $967.27 less interest. You have to figure it out, you know? Well, all right. Uh, what are some of the things that players look for? That's the candy hop. Now, of course, another one, outfielders have their thing, you know, the can of corn. You know what a can of corn is. You know what this is, Jerry. A can of corn is one of those nice, high, easy fly balls that come drifting out there that your Aunt Min could catch in her crocheting bag. You know, that kind. <laughs> now, now these, these are things, guys, look for. The can of corn, say. Well, now, there are things that hitters look forward to. Now... You probably heard the expression, but you know what a hitter looks forward to? What is called euphemistically in the trade, the hanger. Well, what is a hanger? Well, a hanger is a is a curve that don't. Roughly, it's a fastball that ain't. Uh, You know, here's here's Tom Seaver winding up. You know, he's going to let you have that fastball right over the inside corner, and you're getting ready for him to blow the smoke past you. And he winds up. Something happens vaguely to his timing. It looks the same when he winds up, he lets it go, but for some reason or other, that big old ball comes floating down there like a watermelon. Oh, that's a good feeling. Oh, it's a good, great, groovy feeling, you know. And you wait, you, know, you just watch it come in there, see, and you wait, and you just let her go. You, know? you just bring it in there, throw everything you got. Ooh, nothing's worse than to pop up a hanger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it goes straight up. Oh, Missing one? Yeah, that's something else. But to pop it up. This is what causes suicides. Well, when you see a a player really, really, really flub what could be called candy in his field, you see that moment of total human frustration. Like the other day, I was watching a pro football game, you know. And it's this, uh, this tight end. His tight end cuts in, and the, the wide end goes way out, the tight end cuts in. Quarterback drifts back, see he, and this was with the the New England Patriots are now the New England Patriots, the, <laughs> He drifts back and, and for some reason or other all the defenders took out after this this uh, wide end. And here is the tight end. He's trotting along, he looks back, he looks around, and there ain't nobody with a 50 yards of him and there's nothing but the goal line. He's about maybe 10, 12 yards from the goal line. Well, the quarterback sets himself up and he lets that pass go. See, and I'm telling you, friends, it was right on the money. It was a beautiful... That pass comes arching down this guy looks up. It's what he's been dreaming of all... It's what he sees in his sleep in the middle of the off season. A beautiful, soft pass coming right... It comes right down into his arms. We will mercifully draw the curtains over what occurred at that moment we do not wish to rub salt in the wounds of a man already probably tortured he will not get a pass like this for the next five seasons but suffice it to say that the last sight that we saw of that guy he was laying on the ground beating his fists into the ground into the earth and kicking his shoes and the quarterback just turned around, his head is hanging low, you know, and you can see him kicking the kicking the soil there. And the and the wide end came trotting back and he had a funny look on his face. They're the moments in every man's life, friends. When you blow the big issue. It's like the time I going out with this girl when I was a sophomore in school. And she was so beautiful. And I was hoping, to, you know, just get close enough to touch her hand. And we dated for months. And I always was afraid, now if I rush it a little bit, she's going to flung me right out of the car. And finally, it wasn't until six months after I stopped dating her that I heard that uh, everybody, including the elevator operator, had made total time with this chick by the direct approach. You know, the direct approach. But it was too late then, I just lay on the ground and kicked my feet in the earth and threw my shoes up and yelled. I made another candy hop and hit me in the teeth.